Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Good morning, Three Creeks. Like Lisa said, my name is Erica Cambus, and I am thrilled to be with you here today. We are in week three of our Moses series, and I just want to give a couple disclaimers before we dig in today. Um, My first disclaimer is that I'm going to be referencing a ton of scripture through Exodus. Normally, we try to focus maybe on one passage, but today I'm picking up kind of common threads throughout all of Exodus, so bear with me. Um, But along with that disclaimer is my encouragement for you to read all of Exodus yourself. It might take you a half hour, 45 minutes, but I think when we read the entire narrative, we start to pick up on these themes and we see things that we may not otherwise see when we read just portions of the text. So I think that'd be really cool for each of you guys to do this week and maybe the next week as we finish this series out, just to become more familiar with Exodus yourselves. My second disclaimer is that I use God and Yahweh interchangeably throughout the course of the sermon today. And I don't want to confuse any of you. It's the same person. It's the same God. Yahweh is the Hebrew name for God. And so I use them interchangeably throughout today. So because of the nature, I also uh, want to give you guys like a 30,000 foot view of the narrative arc. This would be like the Spark Notes version if you needed it. Um, so the Israelites are enslaved by Pharaoh and God calls Moses to free his people but Pharaoh doesn't want to let them go. So God sends the 10 plagues, and then he lets them go. And then Moses helps to lead them through the desert where they wander for 40 years. And they watch God do some pretty crazy things through Moses. During that time, God reshapes the Israelites into a nation before he delivers them into Israel, the promised land. So while we're going to briefly talk about some of these events today, we're more focused on how God reveals God's self through all the many wonders that Moses performs. God ultimately wants to be known by God's people, and Exodus reveals much about who God is. So when God calls Moses at the burning bush, as Joel talked about last week, God tells Moses to call God, I am. The Hebrew here is Yahweh. Up until this point in Israel's history, they have called God El Shaddai. This basically means a very significant power or a being possessing great might. So when God says this to Moses, God is basically saying, power is one of my attributes, but it is not my identity. Israel has only known me by my power, but I want to reveal who I am. Rabbi Foreman puts it this way, just as the 10 plagues are about to begin, God seems to be saying, before we go any further in this process, there's something I need to tell you. You need to know who I truly am. God makes it clear to Moses that power is not God's name. It is not who he is fundamentally. God will make use of his power as he is about to do, but it does not define him. So after 400 years living under the oppressive rule of Pharaoh, surrounded by the pantheon of Egyptian gods, the Israelites don't even know who God is anymore. 
And I don't know about you, but I don't just follow anyone if I don't know who they are. So God starts by getting their attention with signs and wonders through the plagues. Yes, it's true that the 10 plagues show that Yahweh is sovereign over all the other gods of Egypt. And yes, it's true that the 10 plagues function as a contest of wills between Yahweh and Pharaoh, ultimately showing that Yahweh is more powerful. But God does these miraculous things so that the people will know Yahweh is God. This is repeated constantly throughout the 10 plagues. In Exodus 7, Yahweh tells Moses that this is the primary reason for the plagues and the exodus out of Egypt, that the Egyptians will know that Yahweh is God. After the sixth plague in Exodus 9, God tells Pharaoh the only reason his life has been spared up until this point is because Yahweh wants to be known throughout the entire earth. God basically says, I'm doing these things so that you may know there is no one like Yahweh. Then, after the seventh plague in Exodus 10, God reiterates to Moses that these things happen so that Israel will know Yahweh is God. And once more, once the plagues are all done in Exodus 14, God says one more time that Egypt's final demise is that at last, once it's too late, they realize Yahweh is God. I like to think that the 10 plagues, awesome and fearful as they were, were almost like a warm-up for God. He's just getting started. And he has a captive audience waiting to see what he will do next. I imagine the Israelites were watching, kind of waiting on the edge of their seats, thinking, oh, what's going to happen next? And also probably thinking, wow, I'm glad this Yahweh is on our side. But who is Yahweh? Yes, who is this Yahweh? And what is revealed about God through the Exodus story? If power is just one of God's many attributes, but not God's identity, who is Yahweh? I believe that God's continual presence with Israel in the desert ultimately reveals that Yahweh is the good shepherd who cares for the people of God. There are true, two primary components we'll be talking about today that cor correspond with the Exodus story and the shepherd. And those two things are the desert wilderness and the power of the shepherd's word. So first, we're going to take a look at the important setting of the desert wilderness. So as we see in Exodus, God rescues the Israelites out of Egypt and delivers them straight into the Saudi desert. It's not so much of a rescue, right? At first, the people are overjoyed to be out of bondage and free from Pharaoh. But their joy quickly turns into bitterness when they realize they have left the lush comfort of the Nile Delta and are forced to navigate the brutal dangers of the desert wilderness. They have just witnessed the mighty hand of Yahweh raining down the 10 plagues, parting the Red Sea and crushing their oppressors. And yet they begin to question who this God is, who would lead them away from everything they have ever known and into the barren, lifeless abyss of the desert. While many of us have never lived in the desert, we most are most likely familiar with the dangerous terrain. Zero to little rainfall with little vegetation. It's dry and barren, sometimes with windstorms that are deadly. 
not to mention temperatures exceeding 100 degrees and no escape from the blazing sun. And yet God chose to lead Israel there for 40 years. Here's a picture of the Saudi desert, which was likely a part of the Israelites' journey to the Promised Land. So we might have a small understanding of the geographical region known as the desert, but I doubt many of us have a spiritual or like a metaphysical understanding of the desert. So in an ancient Near Eastern mind, all the people who lived in this region of the world at the time, they believed that the desert was not just a physically dangerous place, it was a spiritually dangerous place as well. The cultural religious practice at this time believed that the gods primarily dwelt in the cities. They attached themselves to the temples and they thrived off the worship of their subjects. So the desert wilderness was spiritually dangerous because the gods could not protect you there. But as God has already demonstrated, Yahweh is very different from these gods. Yahweh is unique set apart, sovereign over all powers, and is not bound to geopolitical regions created by humans. Yahweh is unafraid of the dangerous wilderness and longs to show Israel that God can protect, provide, and lead them even here in the most unlikely of places. Yahweh doesn't leave them once they reach the wilderness. If anything, God's presence intensifies as they leave Egypt. Yahweh is continually present with the Israelites their entire journey through the desert. So we know the desert is a physically dangerous place, and now we've learned about the spiritual danger based on the, the beliefs at the time. I want to add one more layer to our understanding of the desert. In a Jewish understanding, the desert is the place of the shepherd. The Negev, which is Israel's desert wilderness, is where both ancient and modern shepherds have led their flocks to graze. You can show that picture now of the desert. Yes, awesome. So the shepherds would lead their flocks along these narrow, tiny little lines. You can see them. The sheep would basically walk along those paths, known as paths of righteousness. Yes, that's what they're really called. Um, and I know it doesn't look like much, but kind of nestled among all these rocks are these tiny little tufts of grass. And so the shepherd's job was to find these green pastures for their flock and to lead them through that to graze. They were also responsible for tending and guarding them, and the sheep are 100% dependent upon the shepherd. And they must follow them closely in order to survive. The desert wilderness is the place where the shepherd thrives. So, who is this Yahweh? This powerful God who commands the heavens and the earth and makes the most powerful human leader look like a pawn. Oh, and delivers his people from bondage. Yahweh is the good shepherd who cares for his people in the desert wilderness. I love that God reveals this tender, compassionate part of who he is to the Israelites. They have just witnessed the greatest showdown of power ever demonstrated. But as people who have spent 400 years enslaved to the most powerful ruler at the time, they are well acquainted with power. They have seen Pharaoh wield his power to coerce, abuse, and massacre their people. So my guess is that while they may have a proper respect for power, 
They have no idea that such power can be used to heal and nurture and revive. But the good shepherd can do that. In Exodus 2, the text tells us that Yahweh came to rescue the Israelites because God heard the cries of his people. Yahweh is more powerful than any power they have ever witnessed, and yet God's power overflows from a compassionate heart. Yahweh longs to look after, care for, and protect the Israelites. Yahweh is nothing like Pharaoh or the Egyptian gods. And in order to prove that to Israel, God leads them into the desert where God can teach them to rely on Yahweh for every single need. So, like the good shepherd that God is, Yahweh rescues every single person out of Egypt. He leaves no one behind. This plays out in the final conversation between Moses and Pharaoh towards the end of the 10 plagues. After the eighth plague, Pharaoh begins to bargain with Moses. Pharaoh basically says, hey, I know you've been asking to take your people and go into the desert and worship your God, so I'll let the men go with you. And Moses says, no, everybody has to go. So Pharaoh doesn't let them go. And then God sends the ninth plague. And after that, Pharaoh tries to bargain with Moses once again. But Moses basically says, hey, this request is non-negotiable. You don't get to change the terms of what Yahweh demands. So Pharaoh refuses once again, and God sends the 10th plague. And then Pharaoh gives in completely, and he lets the people go. There's a nuance here that we might miss when we're studying the 10 plagues. The plagues are powerful, intense, horrifying acts of God that have us all shaking in our boots. But God reveals an unrelenting force that yields to no one. Yahweh fights for every single Israelite, every member of God's flock, because each of us are incredibly valuable to God. Like a good shepherd, Yahweh provides safe passage for the people of God. Like a good shepherd, Yahweh provides water for the Israelites at Mara and then again at Massa. Like a good shepherd, Yahweh provides food for the Israelites by raining bread from heaven. Sounds amazing. Like a good shepherd, Yahweh is strong to protect the Israelites from the many dangers they encounter in the wilderness. Later on in the book of Israel, later in Israel's history, the shepherd imagery is used to describe how Yahweh will once again restore Israel. The text says this, for Yahweh our God says this, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd cares for his flock on a day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will rescue them from all the places they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the streams, and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture, and their grazing place will be on the mountain heights of Israel. They will lie down in a good grazing place and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will feed my flock, and I myself will lead them to rest, declares Yahweh our God. 
I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. The reason that Yahweh promises to do this later on in Israel's history is because this is who God is. Yahweh is the good shepherd who cares for the people of God. Yahweh leads Israel into the desert wilderness because this is where the flock learns to trust the shepherd. God longs to do the very same thing for each of us too. As you consider your life, what desert do you find yourself in currently? What area of your life feels dry, barren, lifeless? What part of your life feels far out of God's reach? Perhaps you're in a season where you cannot possibly begin to imagine that God is present or that he wants to do anything good. What is your desert? Just as Yahweh led the Israelites out of Egypt, through the desert, and into the promised land, God will lead us as well. God longs to desperately rescue you from the things of life which enslave and oppress you. And the journey to freedom is often challenging and may seem hopeless at times because God has to lead us through the deserts of life. God has shown time and time again that we can trust Yahweh, the good shepherd, who does not abandon us, but delivers us and sustains us through the hardest aspects of life. God is present with you in the deserts of life and longs to guide you. How might God want you to trust Yahweh, the good shepherd? Is there something you doubt God will provide in your life? Whether you believe it or not does not change who Yahweh is. God is present with you in those darkest moments, no matter what. God sees you, he hears your cries, and God cares for you. We must open our hearts and our eyes and our ears to experience Yahweh as the good shepherd. The deserts of life can be brutal, can wear us down and leave us feeling like there's no end in sight. But the desert is also where the sheep learn the shepherd's voice, which leads us to the second aspect of today's message, the power of the shepherd's word. We have learned that a shepherd's primary function is to feed, tend, and guard their flock, but we haven't really learned how the shepherd does this. A shepherd's most important tool in leading their flock is their voice. Shepherds would use their voice to guide their sheep to graze, to keep them safe, and the sheep learn to recognize the shepherd's voice and trust it. They know that their shepherd will provide them with food, water, safety. Sheep will only respond to the voice of their shepherd. Don't believe me? Let's take a look at this video to see what happens when other people try to call a shepherd's flock. <laughs> one more time. Yeah. 
Incredible, isn't it? I had no idea that that was a thing. Um, so the sheep know the shepherd's voice. But in Exodus, Yahweh knows that the people of God do not know the voice of the good shepherd. And so Yahweh leads the Israelites with God's voice so that they can clearly recognize when God is calling them. God's voice is the constant means of leading the Israelites in the desert. Yahweh's presence manifests itself in different ways throughout the Exodus story, as a burning bush to Moses, as a pillar of smoke and fire, uh, then as a cloud which rests upon Mount Sinai and eventually descends to the tabernacle. But throughout all of that, God's voice is consistent and continuous. God's word is ultimately the most powerful way that Yahweh leads as the good shepherd. Right after Yahweh has delivered the Israelites out of Egypt through the Red Sea, Yahweh makes it clear that Israel must listen. God says in Exodus 15, 26, if you will diligently listen to the voice of Yahweh your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh your healer. Yahweh wants the Israelites to know that God is not just a free ticket out of Egypt, nor is he a souped-up Meals on Wheels. Yahweh is the good shepherd who will lead the Israelites, but they must learn to listen diligently to God's voice. Throughout Exodus, Yahweh uses Moses as the primary mediator for this. Yahweh tells Moses what to do with his staff to perform signs and wonders, what to say to Pharaoh, how to deal with the Israelites, how to gather manna, and how to defeat the Amalekites. All of these words that Yahweh gives to Moses are instruction for their physical survival in the desert wilderness. But we know that the Israelites, and ourselves included, we need a little more instruction to survive life itself, right? So as the good shepherd, Yahweh guides the Israelites through the wilderness with God's voice through Moses. And then God gives the Ten Commandments to live by. Yahweh knows that the people of God must ultimately learn to listen to God's voice on their own, apart from Moses, apart from a mediator. So Yahweh provides some helpful guidelines for what God's voice sounds like. Just as the shepherd uses the power of their words to guide their sheep, so too does Yahweh, the good shepherd, lead the people of God with the power of God's word. How does that change your perception of the Ten Commandments? 
They're not merely a list of rules that we need to follow, no. They are life-giving instructions that help us listen diligently to the voice of Yahweh, our Good Shepherd. When we consider God's Ten Commandments as the trustworthy voice of the Good Shepherd, of course we want to listen diligently and follow Yahweh because the Good Shepherd cares for us better than anyone else can. The Good Shepherd leads the people of God with the Word of God. We don't have time today to dig into all of the commandments, but I want to focus on one that I believe best embodies the power of the Good Shepherd's Word, and that is Sabbath. Now, I know to a modern Westerner, Sabbath feels like this antiquated practice that's reserved for the most spiritually elite, but that's not true. Sabbath is a gift. The word Sabbath stems from the Hebrew word Shabbat, and this means to rest and not just like, I'm just going to take a nice nap. It literally means to cease and desist from all labor. In Exodus 20, Yahweh tells the Israelites, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day, that's a Sabbath to Yahweh your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days Yahweh made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Of all the commandments, this is one of the longest ones. And it's also the only commandment that reflects Yahweh's model of work and rest. If the God of the universe can speak the world into existence and then rest from that work, we can learn to rest too. The Good Shepherd knows that the Israelites needed rest, not simply for the sake of rest, but because they have been enslaved for 400 years. Do you think Pharaoh ever gave the Israelites a day off? Never. But the Good Shepherd does. In fact, he commands it. Once again, Yahweh demonstrates the gentle, compassionate heart that is so very opposite of Pharaoh. God longs so desperately to get Egypt out of the Israelites that he commands rest as a rhythmic pattern for life. The Good Shepherd leads the people of God with a commanding voice to rest. And this is only for the benefit of the flock. So we better listen closely. Walter Brueggemann says that Yahweh is unlike all the gods the slaves have known. This God is subsequently revealed as a God of mercy, steadfast love, and faithfulness who is committed to covenantal relationships. The Sabbath rest of God is the acknowledgement that God and God's people in the world are not commodities to be dispatched for endless production. God's people, you and me, are not commodities to be dispatched for endless production. Unfortunately, slaves are only valued for what they do. But the good shepherd understands that the Israelites can only truly be free of Egypt once their value system is flipped on its head. Yahweh knows that we can only be free and finally thrive under God's leadership when we are no longer valued by what we do, but by who we are. 
And the best way that, to do this is leading us to rest, to cease and desist from all labor and reflect on Yahweh, our good shepherd. God longs to set you completely free. You are no longer a slave to anything at all. But all too often, we are slaves to our work. Some of us are afraid to rest because we don't know what would happen if we stop doing. What would it look like for you to begin practicing the Sabbath rest in your own life? Maybe just start with an hour or two and just stop work, any work whatsoever. Don't do chores, don't do anything that would count as work. And just enjoy it. If you listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd calling you to rest, what might happen in your life? Maybe this will create space for God to transform your life in ways you could never do on your own. Because when we rest, when we stop doing, we begin to trust that the Good Shepherd will take care of us and all the other things that need to get done. And we begin to discover that the Good Shepherd cares for us because of who we are, not what we do. The Good Shepherd is calling you with the power of God's word, rest. Stop doing, stop working. Take a breath from the incessant demands of Egypt and learn to simply be. It honors God, but ultimately it is a gift for us. Jesus himself said that Sabbath was made for man. Sabbath rest is a gift that God made exclusively for our benefit. And as God's flock, we must listen to the voice of the good shepherd and learn to embrace the rhythms of Sabbath rest. The Exodus story reveals that Yahweh is so much more than power. Yes, God is incredibly powerful, and God is also incredibly gracious, compassionate, and cares deeply for those who follow God. The Exodus story reveals that Yahweh is the good shepherd who is trustworthy to provide, protect, and lead the flock with the power of God's word through the dangerous deserts of life. The good shepherd reveals that Yahweh can lead us through every difficulty, every heartache, every obstacle we encounter in life. And Yahweh, the good shepherd, ultimately leads us to experience genuine rest and a reorientation of our existence in light of who Yahweh is. I'd love to close our time with Psalm 23. The psalm has a special place in my heart, and it has only deepened my understanding of Yahweh as the Good Shepherd. So I want to encourage you to read and reflect and pray over this. I'll read through it once for all of us. Um, if you want to pray by yourselves, you're encouraged to do that. If you would like to pray with someone in the back, the prayer team is available for that as well. I pray that God would show you how the Good, good Shepherd is present in your life how the Good Shepherd is providing for you and offering you rest. I pray that you would find comfort in knowing that God, the Good Shepherd, is with you in the darkest valleys, in the most barren and difficult places of life. And Yahweh offers an abundance which the world can never offer. May we position ourselves to be people who listen diligently to the voice of Yahweh, our Good Shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. 
He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Certainly goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life, and my dwelling will be in the house of the Lord forever. Selah. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.